perpetual traveler through the Bible. Please join me for the next part of my journey through the scriptures. Stay as long as you like and let us together discover a bit more about the Bible. At 17 years old, barely out of school and preparing myself for life as a grown-up, my parents introduced me one night to one of their friends who was in the insurance and investment business. They talked to me about saving up for my retirement one day and how I should be investing my money now for my old age. I thought that they were silly to talk like that. I had barely finished high school. I had just started studying at a technical college and had my whole life ahead of me. Here they were talking about my retirement. By the end of the evening, I had been obliged to sign up for an investment plan for my retirement and most of my monthly allowance was invested in this scheme. I remember being puzzled and frustrated, wondering why I had to plan so early for my future. Over 40 years later, I am now very close to retirement. And that investment that I made so many decades ago that I thought foolish and unnecessary is now paying out handsomely and will make my retirement a bit more comfortable than I would have imagined all those years ago. Why am I telling you this story? I have learned that we are all affected and dependent on the economics of our world. We are affected by the current state of the world economically. We are all anxious to hear about the condition of world trade, global commerce and the value of our currency against the US dollar, the British pound and the European euro. We are all aware of economics. And more than ever before in history, we live in a world where we are all tied together very closely in what amounts to a giant global economy. There are fewer and fewer isolated national economies, and we have become part of the global village, and we have a global economy. And that is very fitting, because it is precisely what Revelation chapter 18 tells us what the world will be like, just before the return of Jesus Christ. What does the future hold for us? Revelation makes it clear that there will be a single global economy under the control of the Antichrist, the terrible red beast of Revelation chapter 13. What will that world economy be like? Well, much to the disappointment of the socialist or communists, it will be capitalistic. It will be a luxurious, materialistic, capitalist world when Jesus comes in judgment. Chapter 19 of the book of Revelation describes the return of the Lord Jesus bodily and in great power and in great glory. Chapters 20 to 22 describe what happens after that return and chapters 6 to 18 describe what happens just before that return. So in chapter 18 we are in the last chapter prior to the return of Jesus Christ. Chapter 18 is an important chapter because it gives us the world conditions at the time of the final judgment of sinners when Jesus comes to set up his kingdom. It is the most complete description of the world at the end of man's day, where there is a system of worldwide government and commerce controlled by the Antichrist, who is called the beast in the book of Revelation. In the last days before the Lord Jesus returns, Satan will be in control of the world of men, but the world which he has once controlled is starting to collapse around him, and his demons who have been occupying the heavens are now cast to the earth. Satan then working through two key personalities, namely Antichrist and the false prophet, tried to set up a kingdom that will be a final stand against God and against his Christ on earth. Evil will be unbridled and rebellion against God and Christ will be at their peak during this time in the Antichrist's kingdom. God will send judgment after judgment against this Antichrist world, but mankind's reaction will not be positive. 
In fact, in chapter 16, verses 11, it says, They cursed the God of heaven. And again in verse 21, they cursed God. The world will be so evil that even with all the warnings and the preachings of the gospel, they will become more and more hostile until ultimately they curse God for everything that is happening. In this final period before the coming of Jesus Christ, there is a time called the Great Tribulation. The Bible describes a seven-year period as the period prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, the 70th week of Daniel. The second half of that, the final three and a half years, is called the Great Tribulation. That Great Tribulation is when God begins to judge this evil world system. By this time, the last three and a half years, the religious system described in chapter 17 will have ceased to exist. The Antichrist will no longer tolerate any competing religious system and will destroy it and it will force the world not only to follow him alone, but to worship him as if he were God. Revelation 17, 15-17 tells us this. The waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purposes by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. Chapter 18 is a detailed exposition of God's judgment against Babylon, which we first encountered during the seventh bowl of wrath in Revelation 16 verses 19, which says, God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. Now Revelation 18 verses 1 to 3 gives us three reasons why Babylon the great, the great harlot, will be judged. After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. First of all, she is demonic. And these verses hint to Jesus' parable of the mustard seed that is found in Matthew 13. Here is a great tree that becomes a nesting place for evil birds, which signify the demonic ideas and the teachings that find place in the church. Secondly, Mystery Babylon is said to be spiritually unfaithful and is overthrown because kings have committed adultery with her. She has lusted after earthly power and has been spiritually unfaithful in her flirtations and intrigues with the powerful leaders of this world. Thirdly, she is materially seductive. The merchants of the earth have grown rich from her excessive luxuries. In a world of human need and tremendous poverty, the false church has lavished riches and excessive luxuries upon herself, and for these reasons she is overthrown. As supposedly born-again children of God, we should always ensure that our lives and witness do not manifest these three characteristics. A quick scan of the current scandals that are rocking mega-churches today highlight at least one, if not all, of these same three characteristics that will lead to the downfall of Mystery Babylon. Revelation 18 verses 4 to 5 is an appeal to the true saints that are still within this false church in the last days. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. 
Somehow, this great religious system still retains some saving truth. One can become a true believer in the church, though much error is found as well. There seems that there is enough truth left there that, by the Spirit of God, someone can become saved, and some do apparently, even in that day. Through all this time of judgment and the time of the tribulation, God will still be saving people. According to chapter 7, people from every tongue and tribe and nation of the world will be saved, although many will be martyred for their testimony. For many, it might be hard to know precisely or specifically whom the angel is addressing. But I can say now, with certainty, that he is talking to any believers who are somehow caught up in this world today to separate themselves. The message might be intended for the last remaining believers on earth during these last days, but the message still applies to us today. Keep yourselves pure from sin. Don't get caught up in materialism. Do not get seduced by the evil world system. Wherever there is idol worship, self-gratification, pride, complacency or reliance on wealth, there is Babylon in some form. God pleads with us, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped as high as heaven. You might notice that there is a small reference back to the Tower of Babel here. Although the Tower of Babel did not reach as high as heaven, its sins will, and God will remember those iniquities. It is important to prepare for the future. It is important to save up for retirement, just like I was encouraged to do so when I was young. The Lord Jesus does want you to be wise with your money, but do not get caught up in the love of luxury and the love of material things, and don't get seduced by making more and more until you have way more than you can possibly use. The more wealth you have, the less likely you are to let go of it. So the final message is, don't get seduced. Get free of it before it is too late. By verse 6, further reasons are given for the judgment of Babylon. These reasons are simply the law of retribution. What you do to others will come back to you. Sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. In this case it is multiplied because of the length of time that error has spread. Another reason for judgment is her arrogant, self-indulgent pride. Revelation 18 verses 7 to 8 says, As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. She accumulates luxuries for herself and takes pride in the fact that she is a queen and she does not need help from anyone. Doesn't this remind you of the attitude of the church of Laodicea, the last of the seven churches that Jesus addressed in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation? They said, I am rich, I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. There is something that we must be careful to notice here. We saw in chapter 17 that the beast and the false prophet will turn against her and destroy her with fire. But beyond that hatred and destruction by the beast, there is a further judgment from God that is described in verses 9 and 10. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off and in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. This judgment seems to come suddenly from God, in a single hour. 
In chapter 16, God's judgment against Babylon was announced at the moment of the great earthquake which splits the city of Jerusalem. The kings who destroyed her are now terrified at the sudden and total end that comes to this great city. In Revelation 18 verses 11 to 13, it is clear that the mourning is not for the great harlot, but for their own loss. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves that is human souls. Their business is ruined by the destruction of this city. False religion has been good for business, but now it is gone. I hope you can see that many of these characteristics are present in the global church today. The merchants and the seamen seem terrified and amazed at the sudden judgment that comes upon this great city. Notice how many times one hour is mentioned in verses 14 to 19. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and all your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and with jewels and with pearls, for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. All the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. This destruction is very rapid. It seems to be a judgment by fire from God. Perhaps it is enormous volcanic activity. Geologists have long known that almost all of southern Italy, from Rome down through the city of Naples, is volcanic in nature. Vesuvius, the great volcano behind Naples, has destroyed parts of that city in times past, just like it destroyed Pompeii. So there might well be a tremendous volcanic destruction of Rome in the final days of Daniel's 70th week. However, we should not only concentrate on the physical manifestations of judgment, like volcanic activity, but the spiritual symbolism of judgment by fire. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her, says verse 20. In heaven, God's realm, the reaction is in stark contrast to the reaction on earth. Heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents, and it also rejoices when Babylon collapses. God and God alone is in the business of securing vengeance for his people. Romans 12 verses 19 declares this. Three groups of mourners lament the fall of Babylon, the merchants, the shipmasters, and the sailors. And three groups are encouraged to rejoice that Babylon has fallen. These groups are saints, apostles, and prophets. Babylon's judgment was retribution for what the saints, the apostles, and the prophets had suffered under her. Revelation 18 verses 21 says, Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. This has a very interesting link with the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament, and it concerns Babylon. 
This is what Jeremiah chapter 51 verses 61 to 64 reveals. Jeremiah wrote in a book all the disasters that would come upon Babylon, all these words that are written concerning Babylon. And Jeremiah said to Sariah, When you come to Babylon, see that you read all these words and say, O Lord, you have said concerning this place that you will cut it off, so that nothing shall dwell in it, neither man nor beast, and it shall be desolate forever. When you finish reading this book, tie a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates and say, Thus shall Babylon sink, to rise no more, because of the disaster that I am bringing upon her, and they shall become exhausted. There is little that we can add to the solemnity of that final judgment. What follows in Revelation 18 verses 22 to 24 matches exactly what Jeremiah prophesied over 2,600 years ago. So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more. And the craftsmen of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants are the great ones of the earth and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on earth. We have come to the end of chapter 18, but we cannot stop there because there are five more verses from chapter 19 that really belong with chapter 18. After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with the immorality, and has avenged on her the blood of His servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. This is the first time the word Hallelujah appears in Revelation. There is a great multitude in heaven that rejoices over the final removal of this terribly destructive church that brought error into the midst of truth, and, in the name of God, led people astray. Verse 3 confirms that the final judgment of Babylon is from God, for it says, The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. That is not an earthly scene. It is eternity that is being seen. The issue with Babylonianism, wherever it may be found, not only in the Roman Catholic Church, but in many, many churches which fall prey to this error, is that she glorifies herself in the name of God. She teaches in the name of Christ, but mingles truth with error. Believers are called to separate themselves from that deep-rooted error, the hunger for earthly glory and position obtained by religious devotion. Whenever a church seeks influence by impressing people with outward splendor, you have the seeds of Babylonianism present. Whenever individual Christians try to appear pious and devout, while the heart runs after material gain or status, there is the seduction of Babylon. In the New Testament, we are reminded where this begins in the church, in the judgment that came over Ananias and Sapphira. That couple seemed to be outwardly godly and devout, but what they were after was not the glory of God, but self-glory. They were using an apparent act of devotion on their part in selling their land and giving only part of the proceeds to the apostles to gain a false status in the eyes of the people. 
we must ask ourselves, why does God show us all this? All through Revelation, we are seeing the end of things that are present with us now. We are shown this because if we see how things will end, we can turn away from them now. That is the reason this book is sent to the seven churches of Asia, that they might learn from the judgments God will bring on Babylon, and to see what is wrong with the practices they see around them throughout the church age. This is David Wells, your fellow traveler in Christ, and this has been the Journey Through the Scriptures podcast, episode 51.